Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hey everyone, it's Monday. If you're in the U.S., did everybody survive Thanksgiving? This was a strange holiday season, right? (laughs) Very bizarre, but um, we did have some turkey, so I'm very grateful for that. And today we have Melinda Curtis on. She's a USA Today bestseller. I can't wait for you to meet her. And she has a really neat um, Thanksgiving-ish, I guess, themed anthology that she's in called Thankfully in Love. So we're going to talk about that. And if you haven't read Melinda yet, you are in for a big treat. I will read her bio here so you can get to know her. Melinda Curtis is the USA Today bestselling author of Lighthearted Contemporary Romance. In addition to her Sunshine Valley series from Forever, she's published independently and with Harlequin Heartwarming, including her book Dandelion Wishes, which was made into a TV movie, Love and Harmony Valley, starring Amber Marshall. She lives in Oregon's lush Willamette Valley with her husband, her basketball-playing college sweetheart. While raising three kids, the couple did the soccer thing, the karate thing, the dance thing, the little league thing, and of course, the basketball thing. Now, when Melinda isn't writing and Mr. Curtis isn't watching college basketball, they do the DIY thing. So you can imagine how fun that is, right? Um, I did put a link to Melinda's website right there on the Blog Talk site. You can click it anytime and go sign up for her newsletter and check out all the books, so many books over there on her website. So without any further delay, Melinda, are you there? I'm here. Yay! I'm so glad you could be here today. We were talking before the show that we, because romance is is its own little romance landia. We we've kind of known each other, at least recognized our names. But this is our first time talking, so it's really exciting. I'm glad you could be here today. Well, thank you for having me. It's just fun to finally um, put a voice to to a name and a picture. You know how that is. We see right. people on social media. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like in the time of COVID that uh, there's a lot right. more videos going out, a lot more podcasting calls. And it's like, oh, this mm-hmm. is really fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice way to connect, right? And mm-hmm. you have a new anthology out that's Thankfully in Love, and it's around Thanksgiving, right? You want to tell everybody about it? Well, uh, these are four Uh, Thanksgiving novellas, all with happily ever afters, of course, and from four different romance voices, uh, which is really a pleasure to be in because it's a company called Arc Manor. It's their first foray into romance. So we're kind of launching the line, so to speak. Uh, And it's, yeah, and it's lovely. I've worked with uh, Leslie Robin, who's the editor of the collection, a couple different times uh, with Heartbeat Magazine. They were um, a magazine devoted to romance, and I would write short pieces for them. So this is really fun. So it's got um, it's got a light romantic suspense set around Thanksgiving. It's got a <laughs> friends to lovers trope, you know, set around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a medical romance with a woman that's losing her eyesight set around Thanksgiving. Um, also, it's okay. that one is at a um, a sunny tropical resort, so it's very like you don't expect snow. And my story <laughs> is actually set in your old stomping grounds in uh, San Diego, the San Diego area, oh. with 
it's it's part of one of the more rom-com type series that I write with um, a matchmaking St. Bernard who um, he's, <laughs> he, his owner is a Navy SEAL who goes, when he's deployed, he leaves his dog places, you know, with people that he knows. And uh, he comes with these ginger snap dog cookies that look very much like ginger snap eating them. And if you eat the dog cookies, then you can hear what the St. Bernard is thinking which can oh. kind of throw you off. So mine is between a chef, uh, a chef and the person who's helping watch the St. Bernard. So it's kind of amusing. He's trying to put on a very staid and formal Thanksgiving feast, and yet he keeps on hearing this doggy voice in his head. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good it, to have you, a sense of humor in 2020, let me tell you. <laughs> Exactly right, and mm-hmm. so is the is the chef. Um, what kind of trope is is that one? Do they has he known her before, or is she a stranger? Or he did know her before, and it's kind of a a little bit enemies to lovers trope as oh. well. Um, she was jilted. She used to love Thanksgiving and was jilted on her wedding day on Thanksgiving, and he was the best man. Oh, okay. That's catnip for me. I love enemies so ever, so I'm so there. <laughs> I know. I know. I do. I do like that trope because they are um they they're already kind of pitted against each other and they may have respect for each other, but there's a little bit of a grudge, right? You have to learn right. how to forgive. Yes, and I love that you can play with you know, you you have to have strong feelings about someone to carry a grudge or to you know hate someone or it, you know there's there's a lot of energy there and so for me when when I write it and when I read it I love that that push and pull because there's something about them you know and <laughs> so when yes. that coin flips it always <laughs> feels really good. <laughs> mhm. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, lovely. When you write contemporary romance, what's what's your favorite part of contemporary? Is that what you like to read too? I am a big historical romance reader. Mm. That's kind of like my deep dark secret. I think I just love historicals. You know, any it you know, give me a beautiful cover and a duke in the title, and I <laughs> am just sold on the book. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what the trope is, you know, I just love it. Uh, But you can't really bring that into contemporary. And one of the things that I enjoy writing about contemporary is the small town ensemble piece. So there's a lot of players. My, um, My series for Forever Romance, for example, is set in Sunshine Valley. And there are three, oh, look, here's kind of a link from the thankfully in love anthology to sunshine Valley is I have three widowed matchmakers who are, they're the board of the local widows club and um, they take people who have been widowed, who are in a younger generation than them and try to find them a match in this small town. It's just filled with their hijinks and humor, but it, it really creates, I think my character list was something like 50 by the time I finished the three wow. books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you write now, 
when you write paranormal, you have a lot of characters too, right? I do. I do. When I write like a wolf pack book, by the time you get toward the end of the series, you have so many people in the wolf pack now because they've all found mates. And yeah, so by the end, you <laughs> have one scene where they're all there and you're like, oh, Lord, okay, here come 12 introductions really quick. <laughs> right? Yeah, get a little, yeah, everyone that's... gets a little appearance that has some relevance to the story as you wind through and then uh, Forever had also asked me to write a couple novellas to go along with the series. And so I made a conscious decision of, okay, I'm going to use my widows in that series, but I'm also going to have maybe a different part of the community for these novellas. You know, So I have my main cast, which gets big books, and then I have my novellas which have their you know smaller players still super fun to write right right and do you ever do you ever have like the secret desire to write a historical no (laughs) (laughs) i like to read them no researching (laughs) yes i I just love to read them i love the beautiful dresses and the ballrooms and the descriptions of all that stuff but I would just, I would just kind of die. I have seen posts recently on social media about offing that um, characters need designers to come into their living rooms and bedroom spaces because they're just so poorly designed by authors, right? Yeah, I read <laughs> I that. Think I, I thought, really? <laughs> I, yeah, and I would probably be horrible at at designing, you know, all these different places in a historical environment. Now I will say kind of I this year I started something kind of I don't know. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but I started writing a cozy mystery. And uh oh, and that has been fun. Yeah, it's been fun because it's it's outside the romance genre and um there are, you know, different rules to the genre apply. Cozy mystery readers are just as picky I mean, I do read cozy mysteries. I don't read as many as I read historicals, so I don't know why I got this wild hair. But I, <laughs> I am writing it, and it, I am having a lot of fun. So when I don't want to show up for work, you know, as a writer, you right. have to do mm-hmm. your due diligence and tell yourself else. to sit down and work. So it has been fun to kind of just take my mind away from the world at large and deadlines and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's fun to, I I write a lot of short stories on the side, and it's always fun for me to be able to write something that isn't in my, you know, my little niche where I always write. It's just like it's stretching muscles, and I just always feel refreshed and ready, you know, to dive back in. I I feel like as writers, we're kind of like the little fish in the fishbowl. And if your fishbowl never gets bigger, neither do you, right? So why not write something yeah. new? <laughs> yeah, I totally I agree that. with that. It's, it's almost like, you know, a workout. I was admitting to you that I used to get up pre-pandemic at, you know, 4.30 <laughs> in the morning, get that right down yeah. to the gym. Uh, and I would love to do, like if someone would invite me to do, oh, hey, come over here. We're doing, you know, a little workout. I would be like, oh, let's change it up. That would be great. You know, it kind of gives you a little bit of refresh. So, yeah, this writing does give a little bit of refresh. My agent has asked me about it, and 
she was kind of excited about some of the things that I was talking about, but she said, you know, it's a competitive market and, you know, so who knows, who knows if I just write it for yeah. me or if I publish it indie or, or what I do with it, but it's fun. And I think that's important that it's fun. A lot of, I hear right. a lot of authors talk about the pressure to produce and to publish and to make a list. And it really, I got into writing because I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. and the fact that I'm now making money and earning a living doing it is totally different. And you have to kind of step back every once in a while and rediscover your passion for, for you know, your daily grind. Mm-hmm. Very true. And especially with this pandemic year has been so crazy for creatives as a whole, but, but for, especially, I feel like, especially for romance writers, because we're writing happy ever after. And how do you do that when the whole world's on fire? Um, So have you found (laughs) something to, you know, keep yourself motivated and getting the words on the page? Do you just hide from the news or how are you dealing with writing during a pandemic? Well, I have, um, I tend to have a fast drafting process, so I will write things fairly quickly, and sometimes the plot won't be there in a chapter or two that I write, but the romantic comedy will be there, the comedy piece. So I've kind of learned that um, I don't, I don't write the hero or heroine as the main comedic element very well. So I have to have supporting pieces like a a dog that people can hear talk, right? Or <laughs> right. Um, some some widows who are doing some hijinks on the side, or you know a, a a toddler who's precocious. Those kinds of things to to add that humor, and I think that has really helped me keep my mental balance because in general I do kind of. Uh, for example, if you sit me down at an amusement park, which I would love to sit down at an amusement park, right? They're so tiring. Right. I will watch people and just get an internal chuckle at the everyday things that they're going through. No, you can't have that. No, you can't have that. Oh, all right. I'll give it to you. You know, those kind of, <laughs> those kind of push and pull conflicts that you see with parents and their kids and, and um, things. not, not annoying and not to make fun of people, but it's, we're all human and if you hit the right trigger, you know, you can make things go your way. People are funny. Just, I, I think that's why I enjoy writing characters is that you get to, you know, dabble a little bit in consumer behavior, consumer and, and character behavior. Um, right. Anyway, in, a, in a roundabout way, it's the humor that has kept me sane. You probably would say yeah. it's the fact that you write paranormal and you get to kill things. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> Get all my frustration out. Um, but, but is yeah. it hard for you to find comedy when when things are so sad out, outside? Is it harder for you to find comedy right now? I don't think so. I I did early on have some really good advice was to limit my time on Twitter. I'm sorry, Twitter, but you know because. Mm-hmm. Um, it does it does impact my mood, and I stopped I stopped like devouring news. 
to kind of right. keep myself, pull myself back. So I was still keeping informed by reading the news mm-hmm. <laughs> and getting, right. um, like getting daily updates pushed to me from New York Times and USA Today. And, right. and uh, But I was not hanging on every new development. I tried to create a space for myself that was a little bit more, um, you know, a bubble. <laughs> I mean, we are right. we're all in our right. bubbles. You know, we talk about mm-hmm. people being in our bubble more so than ever now. And um, right. and and I just had to kind of get my mental my mental guard up of okay, so now I need to filter a little bit harder than normal because right. I used to love at the end of the day, you know, sitting down while I'm making dinner and and you know, or after I made dinner while I'm eating, watching the news. I used to love right. to, you know, it was very important to my parents who are now gone that you know we stay informed. But I feel like with so much coming at you so strong, all the social media and mm-hmm. and um, big pushes by news agencies and strong voices that it's 24-hour news, just, yeah. Yes. <laughs> the way that I can continue to write something lighthearted right. is to just pull back. And, right, you know. and give yourself some, some safe space. <laughs> hmm. Exactly, exactly. So you and I were talking about moving during the time of COVID. Right. And uh, I, you we know, both do I'm not very recommend. curious. No, <laughs> not, not a recommend at all. No. Um, but ours had actually been planned. I don't know. Did you put your house up for sale during the? Um, actually, we had already sold our house and downsized. And so we were in an apartment trying to figure out what are we going to, what do we want the next chapter to look like? And then COVID uh-huh. hit and my husband got laid off and then he got a new job and we were like, okay, Florida, here we go. Um, this was not in a million years <laughs> what we thought we would be doing, but here we are. Um, so, yeah. Right. Yeah, so it yeah. wasn't, yeah, it was just a, this wild, you know, okay, I guess we're going. So ours was not nearly as planned as yours. <laughs> well, we had planned to put our house up for sale in May. And then I, I, had read some places that, you know, you may not want to be putting your house up in May because the bottom may drop out on the market. You know, you just didn't know what happened. So we rushed to put our house on the market and we literally like rented moving vans, you know, and, and packed stuff up so that we could show our house. And, uh, you know, we had a realtor who was great. She would come in before and disinfect and everyone had to be like pre-screened and wearing a mask. And she would come in after each showing and disinfect. And um, we were lucky that it, it sold in a week and you know so we wow. didn't have all that yeah we I think we had like 25 showings in a week because nothing was on the market at that time right yeah nobody yeah. wanted to move during the plague <laughs> no no only silly people you know only silly uh, writers yeah. <laughs> writers exactly. who go well I can write from anywhere <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the potty break thing, we had to, since it was a 10-hour drive to where we were moving, and we did three long trips with moving vans, that we, um, you know, we had to figure out, okay, so if we do drive through McDonald's, then where are we going to go to the restroom, you know? Right. Because we, 
we kind of knew like there are some, let's face it, there are some gas stations or convenience stores that are just not clean and might not be clean no. during, during a pandemic. So right. yeah, it became, I, I would recommend Costco to anyone. Like we plotted out where Costco was <laughs> on the map and that's where we ended up taking breaks. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you have to in these, strange times that we find ourselves in so anyone out there who might be moving that's a great tip (laughs) also Lakita because I was moving across the country with pets and they take your pets and it doesn't even cost extra so there's my shout out (laughs) there you go go Lakita Right. Yeah. Uh, so I I wanted to ask you because I don't know, and I thought readers might want to know too. Uh, you've been writing now for a long time, USA Today bestseller. But when you were starting out, I mean, what did your writing journey look like? Did you always think you'd be a writer? Did it hit you when you had kids? I mean, what what did it look like for you? I think I think if you you probably talk to a lot of writers and they say, oh, you know, in school I always enjoyed writing and things like that. And I thought at one point I thought I might be a reporter, and then I went to school oh. actually for for marketing and business, and I ended up in the analysis kind of side of it where I was writing a lot of reports. So you're putting things together and creating not a story, but it's basically you know, the pieces are connected of this is what's happening in this, this segment. And I worked for a very large winery and that's kind of a household name and uh, for a long time. And I just realized about 10 years in when I had three kids that, you know, I do nothing for me. I do all the kids. Right. I support my husband who was teaching and coaching and then athletic director and, you know, busting my butt in the corporate world, and I would read romances. That was, that was kind of my escape. And I had, I know every reader has probably had this, where I had in my to-be-read pile one sucky book after another. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I hit on one, and I was thinking to myself, gosh, I could do better than this. And I hit on one that actually had in the front Uh, a lovely message to readers and how they could get in touch with her. And she lived 45 minutes from me. So I wrote to her and said, okay, so how does one do this romance writing thing? And she invited me to a romance (laughs) writers of America local Mm -hmm. meeting in Sacramento. And uh, so I, I went to that and kind of learned, um, you know, soaked it all in from the chapter meetings and speakers. And then I met a couple editors from Harlequin and I wrote on spec for, for one woman, Paula Eichelhoff, who's now since retired, but I, I wrote on spec for her for two years uh, until she bought a book. And, you know, she was just lovely in, in kind of coaching me along as how, you know, how I should tell a story just tell the story. She'd say, just tell the story. Don't worry about the pretty (laughs) words. You know, first you got to tell the story. The bones have to be there. And I think she's probably part of the reason that now I fast draft stories because I just tell them and then you go back and you, you know, what are people wearing? (laughs) What what is the mood (laughs) like here? That kind of thing. Yes. (laughs) What are their thoughts even? Yeah, the whole thing. So uh, yeah, it was kind of an interesting journey. I think it was uh, four years from the time I wrote to that author, who was Susan Crosby, lovely, wow. lovely, talented author, could could bring on the steamy, sexy, and the tears. 
And uh, yeah, four four years until I was I was purchased. That sounds oh, bad. that's so exciting. Until I was contracted. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I gotta ask if you were working at a winery, are any of your series do do you have any winery type series, wine tasting places, oh, all that kind yes. of thing? You know what? Publishers <laughs> ask for that quite a bit because I guess it sells well overseas, winery books. Right. And actually, mm-hmm. um, the book Dandelion Wishes, which was made into that movie with Amber Marshall, who is fabulous, by the way. We got to go on the set uh-huh. of the movie Love in, oh, Love in Harmony Valley. It's uh, You can find it on demand on Up TV right now, and it's on DVD, and we expect it to be Netflix next year, I'm thinking. Um, <gasps> wow. Yeah, it is. It is really exciting. And um yeah, and and uh I just I I just feel that you know, one is a winery book too. So much. That is a winery book and I think that's why oh. they picked it because um they were gonna distribute the film in France and um and French speaking Canada and so they wanted something with wineries and I did like a whole eleven book series in this town with the winery. And Actually, anyone who has worked in the wine business who is not a wine drinker, like I came to it, was not a wine drinker at all. I was a staunch Pepsi drinker, um, (laughs) and I was in my 20s, and they sent me to UC Davis, uh, which is a school, a university known for being winemakers and wine growers, and I had to spend this whole weekend, you know, drinking different wines some of them not tasting very good just so my palate could recognize things. And what I learned uh-huh. there the, the first time they sent me, they actually sent me twice was that I cannot drink and spit without dribbling wine on myself. So, <laughs> well, that's handy to know, you know, when you, if you ever go to a winery and you're in a, you know, there, there will be like somebody who's tasting wine and then they will delicately spit into the spit bucket. And as a woman, I was not taught how to spit as many athletes are. You see them spit all the time. They spit far away from them, right? Right. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a skill that, you know, you can, you can hope to learn. But, yes. Um, but you have not mastered. Yeah. So I do now know uh, – quite a bit more than the average person about growing wine. And um, I was towards the end of my career there. I was uh, part of the development team where, um, I, I mean, I can say I worked for the Gallo Winery. Um, I used to work for Ernest Gallo, who has passed on oh, wow. on that side of the business. And towards the end of my career there, I worked on things like um, we bought the Fred McMurray property. He was, I don't know if you remember Fred McMurray, the actor. Mm-hmm. He was in My Three Sons. Um, and, uh, I didn't you know, know he had a winery. He did, the McMurray Ranch property, beautiful property. And so we would acquire these boutique little properties like that and, and – um, there's a wine out now called McMurray Ranch. So I would go in with the team and we would decide, okay, so how are we going to talk about this place? So we would, you know, feel the soil. We would really get into it and then determine like how we want to label it and what the website would look like and all, all that. So I was part of those types of teams that would come in and do stuff, which was really interesting because it's almost like creating a book, right? You have to create the, the whole character of the winery. 
And so, I bet that that helped with the writing too, because you have all those insider, you know, things that most authors, you know, who decide they're going to write a contemporary on a winery probably wouldn't know, right? Right. Yes. And it's kind of like when I'm asked to write a chef book or, you know, I've done some, I've done more than my share of bakery books too. And anyone who writes small town always has to write a bakery book, right? So (laughs) I really, I mean, I cook to eat. I don't, I don't like watch all the cooking shows or enjoy all that kind of thing. Um, That's not my shtick, but I can, I can write it. I have enough knowledge to write it, but you should, my advice to writers is write, something that you know, whether it's, you know, the concrete construction business or, you know, or the military or whatever, you know, build on your strengths that are close to you, especially while you're first, you know, flexing your writing muscles and figuring out how to tell story. Right. It helps tremendously. Yeah, because you can go down a rabbit hole and just be lost for hours or days doing research on stuff that you won't even use. Like, I think it was Jennifer Cruzy. I heard her speak one time and she said, oh, I wanted to do this piece on China in this book, you know, as in the dishware. And so I wrote a scene with 11 or 12 pages of them talking about this China. And then I realized, oh, really, it should just be like less than half a page. But I spent days researching it and I love it. (laughs) Yes, I've gone down that rabbit hole. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So there's so many ways to get distracted as an author. Right. Well, I wish we could stay on all day, but we're running out of time. So how do you like readers to get in touch with you? Just through your website? Are you on Facebook? How how can they get in touch? I am on Facebook at Melinda Curtis Author. Uh, I am also on Instagram, you know, same same type. I I might be on Instagram as Mel Curtis author, um, and MelindaCurtis.net or .com is my website where you can uh, sign up. In the upper right hand corner, there's a sign up to get on my mailing list, where you can get two free novellas to see if you like my author voice. You know, it's reading, as you know, is like eating. Sometimes you yes. like it spicy. Sometimes you like it light and happy. Uh, mm-hmm. So I. I like to allow readers to have that chance to kind of experience my writing before they plunk down cold, hard cash. No, that's cool. Well, thank you so much for being here and it was great chatting with you and good luck getting through. Hopefully we'll have vaccines soon and normal life. (laughs) Right. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was just so much fun talking to you. We'll have to do it again. Yes, for sure. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.